Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning. It is Wednesday, the 9th of March, 2022. And if you're like me, you are thinking about all of the places maybe you won't go in your car or certainly won't go by yourself in your car, anticipating um, that prices of everything are going to rise as gas prices continue to rise. I am betting that for a lot of people that is top of mind today. Uh, It's certainly uh, what leads the conversation in uh, in many places and so i want to i want to start there today recognizing that god is good and god is great we want to be in the word of god before we are out there in the world that god so loves um, i have been lingering for a couple of days now in psalm 63 um, wondering where you are in the word today you can always um, let me know you can text me at 877-933-2484. Love hearing from you, knowing that um, we're together in this as we are approaching this particular day that the Lord has made, recognizing that um, it's His day. This is the Lord's day. Yes, it's Wednesday. Yes, it's March the 9th, 2022. Yeah, a lot of things are going to happen today. And in every moment, no matter what, in all circumstances, I am content with the knowledge that this is the day the Lord has made. And I belong to him in Christ in it. I hope you are resting in that reality as well, even in the midst of a world um, in great conflict and where there is much chaos. And so we're going to turn our attention to some of that today, but we're just also going to recognize that ultimately our hope is in the Lord and we rest in him and he never fails. The president of the United States has issued a ban on the U.S. import of Russian oil, liquefied national natural gas and coal. So uh, energy, uh, I mean, you know, what do we call that? We call that uh, fossil fuel related energy from Russia as a part of an ongoing attempt to turn Russia, change um, Russia's aggressive invasion and now um, indiscriminate killing of the Ukrainian people. So gas prices are up again day over day, but I want you to think about that in the context of what's happening in the world. So yes, a year ago, you know, uh, a, a gallon of unleaded gas cost you $2.79, you know, average across the country. Today, that same gallon of gas is going to cost you $4.17. And you're saying to yourself, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to, um, pinch somewhere else, scrimp somewhere else so that I can fill my tank and go do what I need to do. Um, when when that happened to me yesterday, um, I just paused right there at the gas tank and I, and I thanked God that I um, felt safe where I was standing and that I had access to a vehicle and roads that I was very confident were not going to be besieged by 
air raids from above. I was not wondering whether or not my husband and my children or my parents or my sister or my niece and nephew, where they are all all across the country, I wasn't wondering whether or not they were in a city under active bombing. I wasn't wondering whether or not they had access to electricity or water or wondering how many more days they were going to have to go without food or how many more days I was going to have to go without hearing from them. And I just stood there at the gas at the gas pump and thanked God for my $4.09 gallon of gas. Um, and I know it's going to be hard, and I know we're going to have to make sacrifices. But as I watch the images and hear the stories coming out of Ukraine, I am going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful for every meal I serve to my family, where we sit around a table where we are not afraid. And I am going to thank God that we have the freedoms that we enjoy. And I'm going to thank God for the people who have, who have won these freedoms and who defend them today. And I'm going to thank God for the United States of America and her witness over time. And I am going to thank God for her witness today as a beacon of light and freedom, standing steadfast and immovable against tyranny I am going to resolve to be thankful, even as I pay $5 a gallon for gas, $6 a gallon for gas, because I am going to stand there and I'm going to be willing to make sacrifices, and I'm going to be thankful. Choose this day, not only whom you will serve, but how you will serve him with your public witness and testimony, even as you stand at a gas tank. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Faith Radio. Next up, we're going to talk with Jeff Bilbro. He helps us um, have moral conversations about what's going on in the world today. And we're going to specifically talk about the moral questions that are raised as we literally watch an unfolding war. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Jeff Bilbro. Um, you know him from Grove City College. We talk from we talk with uh, Jeff frequently. You can find him at Jeff Bilbro, B-I-L-B-R-O dot com. Uh, he aggregates um, something called the Water Dipper, and he does so at Front Porch Republic, um, and that's where we're um, visiting today. So, Jeff, welcome back. Thanks, Carmen. Good to be with you again. Thank you so much. So you have um, lifted to our attention um, this uh, this piece by Nicole Hemmer. The question raised is, uh, you know, these the moral questions raised uh, as we sort of treat war as a spectator event. So when we talk about watching what's happening in Ukraine, um, talk about the moral issues and the moral questions that raises. Yeah, and I think your opening segment gave us a good uh, example of uh, what's hopefully a Christian way of watching a distant war unfolding. But I think we have to be aware that as uh, fallen humans, we can we can kind of dev- devolve into just 
curiosity and entertainment and spectatorship and be sucked into watching lots of YouTube or TikTok videos about, uh, you know, the violence over there and just just kind of get fascinated with the spectacle of it. And, uh, you know, it comes to us on our screens, which where we also view sporting events or um, funny cat videos. And it all can, can seem, um, yeah, just one more fascinating, interesting thing for us to, to get a kind of an emotional hit from. Um, but I think, you know, that damages our souls when we view the suffering of other, of other persons far away um, as, as something for us to consume and be entertained by. So I think war has often um, posed this problem. You know, during the Civil War, people would go to battles and picnic uh, and watch them. And, uh, you know, during World War II, people could go watch them, watch the newsreels at the theaters. But it poses a new problem when we uh, all have screens uh, all around us now. So what does it do to us? Like, right, what, what is it doing to us when we're watching war? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it can do different things. But it, maybe the most common is it kind of desensitizes us to violence and um, deadens us, deadens our souls to, uh, you know, seeing other persons as persons. You know, it's kind of like a, uh, akin to pornography, I suppose, that it can take um, this, this really significant and important thing and trivialize it and package it uh, in a way for us to consume. I think in uh, Confessions, Augustine talks about one of his friends who uh, would go to the gladiator games and get all caught up in the, the drama of watching these people kill each other. And when he became a Christian, he stopped going. But, but then one day his friend, his old friends drug him back. And he said, well, I'll go, but I'll keep my hands over my face. <clears throat> so he goes to the Coliseum and he hears all the, you know, the, the, the spectacle of the, the pageantry of the games. And <clears throat> he can't resist. And he turn, takes his hands away and kind of gets sucked back into reveling in the violence. And I think, uh, yeah, that's the same kind of danger that uh, we all face today. All right, we are talking with Jeff Bilbro from Grove City College. You can also find him at frontporchrepublic.com where he posts the water dipper. We have just been discussing a piece posted there entitled Ukraine Raises Moral Question of War as Spectator Event. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff in um, in just a moment, and we're going to talk about um really a follow-on to the conversation we had yesterday about the Lyceum movement. I want to get Jeff's perspective, since he actually wrote the piece, Why We Should Pay Attention to Local and Not Just National History. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Just yesterday, um, we had a conversation with Nathan Beacom from the Lyceum Movement, and we were talking about what they're up to and invite you to uh, listen to that conversation and grab those resources via the podcast, which you can find at MyFaithRadio.com or right there on the Faith Radio app, if that's where you're listening. Um, so, Jeff, you um, you actually wrote the piece that we talked about <laughs> some yesterday, and it's this um, question of why we should pay attention to local and not just national history. So I thought we'd give you an opportunity today to talk about that as well, because yesterday 
we really focused on, you know, what they're doing at the Lyceum movement and um, and the conversations that they're seeking to provoke at the local level. But we didn't really dig into um, your piece, which is really articulating the why, gets us motivated to to do what Lyceum is doing. Yeah, I'm a big fan of what Nathan's up to, uh, and uh, I'm really heartened by the way that 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 movement seems to be spreading around around cities uh, across the U.S. So uh, I think he's doing great work. And um, when he asked me to to write this piece for the month, he just said, you know, talk about why we should pay attention to local history and not just our national narratives. Um, So I, I think one you know, there's lots of different facets here and lots to discuss. And, and maybe the conversation looks different depending on where we are. <clears throat> but one thing I think is when we view our places as um, participants in this national or international drama, it kind of flattens and uh, it kind of slots them into their spot in a in a partisan narrative. And, it, and they lose all of their idiosyncrasies and local particularities and the complexity and nuance that's going on. So, you know, you see this with like school board debates over curriculum and, and race, race issues or masking policies um, and the needs or realities of a particular community can get subsumed into these national conversations. And I think the same thing happens uh, with history. Right. Um, so local places have such fascinating uh, histories that uh, we can learn from and that help to make sense of why our places are the way they are today. So I just I just try to give some places to start looking for and listening to uh, the histories of our regions and our towns and communities rather than just uh, arguing about, you know, how we should understand U.S. history. Have you ever done like a tourist in your own town kind of thing? And if so, like what was something interesting you discovered? Yeah, I you know one of the one of the I guess benefits of of having to move recently uh, has been kind of forced us to do that. And so, just uh, last fall, we took a trip to a place about forty five minutes from here where oil was first discovered in the U.S. Uh, in oil mm. oil valley, PA. So learning the history of the early development of oil. Uh, both the benefits it brought to the region, but also the environmental destruction and the kind of boom and bust cycle, seeing what it's like today. Uh, then I then I went out and checked out a, a, a history of that region, which was fascinating. Um, so yeah, that, that experience was, was really helpful in terms of trying to learn my new place. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing more of that this summer once, once school's out. How far are you from like Hershey? Because I feel like an, an exploration of chocolate <laughs> would be good. I think that my daughter would agree with you. So I'm sure. Right. Be, right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there are some places of interest that we can even That's use right. to like, right, lure our children into this conversation. Okay. So here was um, something that I thought, you know, I'm just going to try in my own, um, not just in my own local town, but, you know, sort of in the larger area where I live. I just did a points of interest near me oh, yeah. search and. Come to find out, there are some points of interest near me that I have driven by over and over and over again. Um, there's a historical marker in the middle of my tiny little town that because of where it sits on this, like, triangle that is surrounded by roads and no sidewalks, I've never actually read it. I have no idea what that historical marker says. And so the conversation yesterday um, with Nathan and then the conversation with you today, like, it, it leads me to want to know more 
Okay, so I live in a town that has the word springs in it. Hmm. I don't know if we actually have a spring or plural. <laughs> Maybe there are multiple springs here. And if so, don't you think I should know where they are? So you have um, inspired me to do some uh, some local anthropology um, maybe some local archaeology, some certainly some local sociology, uh, and so I've been um, I've been provoked. You have um, you have moved me, my friend. That's great, Carmen. You got to report back on what you discover. I know, right? Oh no, totally. Yeah, don't worry. I will. There might even be pictures. Okay, so let's talk about um, another piece that you have posted at the Water Dipper and have turned me on to. The title is "Does My Son Know You?" What's this about? Oh, this is a really, really moving piece, um, you know, about a, a writer who has discovered that he has incurable cancer, basically, and uh, doesn't know how much longer he has to live and is wrestling with um, the costs of his professional mobility and the ways that uh, he is not sure who will raise his son and, and who will be, you know, who mm. play basketball with the son and... and um, take him to do things. And uh, he's t- he talks about how getting involved in a local church and a local small group gives him hope that uh, these people will uh, will step into the void when he passes away. And I think, uh, you know, it's just his reflections on the importance of community and the importance of these long-lasting relationships so that uh, these folks will show up to our funerals but then hopefully also show up for our loved ones uh, in the years and decades to come. And, you know, how I think so often we can fixate on the, the priorities of the day or the short term, but taking a step back and thinking about what matters for eternity and uh, are we investing in the relationships that uh, will bear fruit long term, those, those can be sobering questions. The images of um, Ukrainian soldiers um, carrying unattended children picked up from all kinds of places right now leads to this question. Um, The the orphans arriving by the train load um, across the Ukrainian border, people are asking questions right now that they maybe weren't even asking a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, Who are these children? To whom do they belong? To whom do they belong now? Um, Who's going to raise them? Not just in terms of their immediate needs, but, you know, long term. Um, And not just these children, but the millions of children orphaned um, by COVID and the children who already um, needed uh, forever homes prior to all of these kinds of global events. There are important questions for us to be asking as Christians, and we ought to at least know the children in our own churches. And we ought to at least be ready and willing to know um, the kids on our street Right. Because if something horrible happens to some kid's family, um, there ought to be adults they already know, homes they've already been in, people with whom they already feel safe who can step in. And so I loved the questions provoked by this piece that you posted at the Water Dipper um, at FrontPorchRepublic.com. Encourage people to read it. Does my son know you? So, Jeff, as always, thank you for highlighting really good things for us to be reading because it provokes us to ask deep questions and have important conversations. Thank you, Carmen. As always, um, just love talking with you. So that's Jeff Bilbro. You can find him at 
Grove City College. You can also really easily find him at his website, jeffbilbro.com. The pieces we've been reading today, you can find on the Water Dipper at frontporchrepublic.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. All right. I love it. So many of you um, sharing on the text line things that you've learned about your own communities or communities that you have um, that you have visited nearby. These are really fun. So you can text me. I'm at 877-933-2484. Um, Reverend Castro texting in saying, see, I'm going to mispronounce the names of these towns, and then y'all are going to shame me because I'm not good at this. But Delavan, D-E-L-A-V-A-N, Delavan, Wisconsin, where we live, was the winter off-season home of Barnum and Bailey Circus. Now, I have to confess to you, I thought that was Sarasota, Florida. So there you go. Um, So that's going on. Uh, Let's see. Becky says, my children went to a school named Gideon Pond. I thought it was one of the small ponds around our house. Come to find out, it is Samuel and Gideon Pond. They were missionaries to Native American people in the Minneapolis area. So isn't that cool? They have their Gideon Pond. There you go. I didn't know that either. Um, Anne says, I was visiting Grand Rapids last spring, and I stopped at a local coffee shop, and I said, or I asked them to direct me to the Rapids. I wanted to see them. All around, there were just blank stares on their faces. No one could remember where the Grand Rapids were in Grand Rapids. Well, there you go. See, we need... We need to be students of our own local places where we live, um, and we need to talk with one another about why the places around us are called what they're called, and maybe what they were called before we arrived, or the people before us arrived, on and on and on. Let's do some, uh, what do you call that? Um, anthropology, some some anthropological research, digging around in our own communities and the histories of our own communities. What might we learn about the story of our place that might, you know, make our approach to conversations with our neighbors um, a little bit different. I mean, who knows? Who knows what might happen? All right. We are going to spend a little time um, praying with and for the Ukrainian people. Uh, Franklin Graham has called us all to a global um, season of prayer. And so we're going to lift that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So yesterday and today, pastors across Ukraine have been engaged in and then calling others to join them in a Christian worldwide prayer event. Franklin Graham amplified the call via social media. Um, And so I want to amplify that call as well. If you have not already been praying with and for um, Christians in Ukraine, please be doing so. The witness of the church is vital um, not not only in these days, but particularly in these days. And so we want to come alongside um, these pastors who are asking us to pray with them and for their country, the preservation of religious liberty, um, the preservation of um, their opportunity to proclaim the gospel 
um, that God would give them the right words at just the right moment um, in each and every circumstance, and that God would preserve their lives in order for them to continue to testify, even in the midst of what is an increasingly difficult um, situation. Um, The current status of things, uh, we are right now, um, it started at 9 a.m. local time in Ukraine. Um, We are right now in the midst of a 12-hour temporary ceasefire during which civilians from 10 cities are being allowed to evacuate. So I want our prayers to be focused right now on God's supernatural protective hedge um, that somehow these 12 hours would be lengthened to the point that people would be able to get to places that are safe, um, that they would be able to get a sufficient distance from these 10 cities that are under absolute uh, assault by the Russians. So the routes include Enderholder, Maripol, um, Sumy, where there was just a devastating uh, day yesterday and many, many civilian lives lost. Um, Volda-Hakna, please, I, you know, I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing. I know I am. Um, Vorzel, Borodanka, Buka, Erpin, and Hostomol. Now, those last four cities, five cities, all of those evacuation routes are from those cities to Kiev. Just consider that for just a moment. Five of the evacu- evacuation routes from these cities lead to Kiev. And from there, people are seeking to leave as well. And so let us be praying a hedge protection right now over these precious people, the routes that they are taking, whatever transportation is available to them, um, those who are carrying others, may they be strengthened in their inner being. May they have not only the energy, um, but the courage to take the next step and the next step after that and the next step after that. May our prayers be with them. Right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, could we come alongside them as they walk? I just, that's where my spirit is right now. I'm just alongside, I want to be alongside by the power of God's Holy Spirit. I want those people to feel encouraged, that they know that they're not alone. That there is a future filled with hope set before them, even though from where they are right now, they cannot see it. We want to be those people in the world. Father God, what we can do right now is plead with you. What we can do right now is lay claim to the access you have given us through Jesus Christ to the very resources of heaven, to your resources, God, to your strength, to your power, to your ability, which is endless beyond measure. Oh, God, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would ask a supernatural hedge of protection over these precious people evacuating from these cities in Ukraine. Protect the route, protect the ground beneath them, protect the air over their heads, protect their hearts and minds. Holy God, enable them to move at a pace and lengthen the hours of this day in order that 
people would be liberated and set free. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Ukraine is um, top of mind for congressional leaders as well here in the United States. You will want to know that Congress has reached a bipartisan deal to provide $13.6 billion to help the people of Ukraine. It's a part of a $1.5 trillion funding package that um, needs to be passed by the end of the week in order to fund the U.S. government. And so uh, this this package for Ukraine doesn't stand alone. It's a part of a larger budget package, but it is expected um, to pass by the end of the week. And if you have been wondering, are things getting better or are they getting worse on the ground in Ukraine? Um, yesterday, the director of the CIA, his name is Bill Burns, he testified at a House hearing um, that President Vladimir Putin of Russia, quote, has no substantial political endgame in the face of what's going on um, to continue to be fierce resistance from the Ukrainians. Now, what that means is that um, there's no way out of this uh, that uh, leaders here in the United States can see um, for Putin, which is why they believe he is going to, in their language, double down on his brutality um, and the indiscriminate targeting of civilians. And so we need to prepare ourselves um, for that. And we need to pray that people would be strengthened and encouraged and that somehow we as the watching world would be equipped to come alongside and help. I want to lift up to you a good news story today. Well, I don't know. I say that. I don't know if it's a good news story or not. The good news is going forth, which is always good news. The story is um, is kind of frustrating to me. But it's a good news story in that uh, there are people of good news in every generation and in every place. Um, and of that, you and I can be a confident. So I want to tell you about a second grader who lives in Des Moines, Washington. That's right, Des Moines, Washington. So this story comes to us from the U.S., you know, from the northwestern part of the United States of America. This is a second grader. So I'm going to guess that she's eight, seven, eight years old, right? We don't have her name because, you know, she's a second grader. What we do have is the name of her school, North Hill Elementary. And here's what's going on. So this little girl is a Christian. She is concerned for the salvation of her classmates, And so apparently she, um, during recess, during the time when, you know, you're you're free to go and do what you want to do on the playground, she has been essentially preaching, sometimes um, like standing on a table, you know, to be heard by more people. So you can imagine this um, has raised some questions and concerns, right? It would, it would, this would raise questions and concerns in any community about any child doing this because there would be families who didn't appreciate it. So I get all that. Here's the part of the story where my eyebrows shot up um, because the way the school has chosen to intervene um, was to keep sending her to the principal's office. So she's made 10 trips to the principal's office um, for this, you know, inappropriate activity on the playground. But they've also been stopping her um, before she entered the school building 
searching her backpack and taking all of what they consider to be religious contraband. So they take her Bible. They take other things that they consider religious materials. They have taken a cross away from her. Um, And so uh, her mom didn't know this was going on uh, until one day when she, you know, dropped her daughter off. She actually saw two adults um, stop her daughter before entering the school building and take her backpack and begin rifling through it. And that led the mom to call the principal and say, um, hey, I, I saw this happening. What's going on? And that's when the principal said, well, you know, your your daughter is um, people people don't aren't interested in, you know, her seeking to make them Christians. Like, you know, all she talks about is Jesus and um, other parents have complained. Other parents have complained. There you go. If you're the principal of a public school and parents have complained about someone's kid, you should call the parent of that kid. Hey, that's my um, that's my uh, instruction to you out there who are in a position uh, of authority like this uh, over children. So instead, they just um, humiliated and targeted the second grade girl. So they have sought to silence her through in- intimidation, and then um, they have sought to, uh, you know, take away these you know, means by which she might access her own faith or share her faith with others. So, yes, she has advocates. Yes, she has attorneys. The ACLJ is is on it. This is a First Amendment case. I guess my hope is that it gets resolved before it goes to court. But um, trust me, the ACLJ uh, will take it to court if they don't find resolution um, for the violation of this student's right rights. So I think some questions for each of us to ask. Well, first of all, we should be praying for everybody involved in all of this. I love it that there's a second grader who's concerned about the spiritual state of her classmates. I love her willingness to testify to Jesus. I also recognize um, that if this evangelistic child were an atheist or this evangelistic child were a Satanist or this evangelistic child were of some other um, uh, faith, we as Christians might feel the way these non-Christian parents are feeling about this child's attempt to proselytize their children. So let's um, be sure that as we equip our kids to present the gospel, we do so um, by encouraging them to make it visible and substantial and beautiful. The goal is to attract people to Jesus, not to repel them. Um, And I also think that by the witness and testimony of this young girl, we can all be emboldened and take courage today. I mean, when was the last time you stood on a picnic table and asked people if they were interested in hearing about Jesus? Yeah. Talk about getting yourself a platform and God getting himself a witness. All right. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, some of you going down to the river to pray in uh, Fergus Falls and in Grand Rapids. Thanks for texting in the stories of your local towns, the things that you have learned about where you are. I just love that. You can you can text me some of your local uh, interest info at 877-933-2484. Um, I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Let's see, I have some... Uh, Friend here says, I recently uh, moved to Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 
Um, didn't know where the Rapids were. Oh, it's possible that that other person meant Grand Rapids, Minnesota. I assumed they meant Grand Rapids, Michigan. So there you go. You can text me back and clarify. Um, this person says, recently moved to Grand Rapids, Minnesota. I, too, did not know where the Rapids were, so I looked it up. They're no longer visible. Well, there you go. No longer visible. Fergus Falls. Uh, somebody, um, let's see. Uh, hold on. Where did it go? Fergus Falls. I can't remember who texted that in, and now I've lost it on my screen. Oh, here we go. I went to Fergus Falls, Minnesota about two years ago looking for the falls. Difficult to see them now as they've been converted into electrical turbine collection. Yeah, some, sometimes our desire um, to harness the power of moving water means that we can no longer see the moving water. Yeah. Um, and then here, Rita texting in from Lester says, my town um, is named for a boy, Lester, who died in the children's blizzard in 1889. Mm. Tragic and very important to know. So thank you for that information as well. Um, Why do we call things uh, the things that we call them? Why do people call us Christians? What should that tell them about us? I mean, have you, do you think people wonder, like, you know, they've, they visited a church or they saw a church on the corner, but they don't really know what that's all about. I mean, just consider all of the places and spaces in the United States of America and across Canada that have a Christian history or a Christian origin. I mean, you think all the people that go to like Presbyterian Hospital in New York know that that's a Christian thing? Um, you know, or all of the people who go to Colleges, universities, um, other social services that, uh, I mean, do you think that people know that Samaritan's Purse, like where that comes from, where that language comes from? I mean, they know Franklin Graham, so they know, and they know Billy Graham. So I guess they know that's Christian, but it's because they know those people are Christians. You see what I'm getting at? Um, I wonder how many people know the origin stories of so many things in our culture, in our communities that have a Christian origin. Maybe that's a, uh, maybe those are some stories that we could be telling. We could be being sure that people know and understand um, that it's because of Christ that there are all of these hospitals and all of these schools and all of these institutions of higher learning. Um, Yeah, maybe that would be a good reclamation project in the culture today. All right, you may be wondering, um, why is Carmen talking and Ruth Kramer is not here with her? Because Ruth Kramer um, and I had lunch together yesterday, and she um, went wide-eyed when I said that I would talk to her this morning. Um, she is not able to join us. She is at a breakfast meeting and today. And so um, you and I are alone together with our thoughts. But I am going to bring you some headlines from Mission Network News, which is what we do together when Ruth is able to join us. Um, and so we, we're surveying headlines beyond Ukraine as we look at what's going on on the Mission Network news site at missionnews.org. There was a bombing that killed dozens of people at a mosque in Pakistan. Fifty-seven people have died, more than 100 injured in a Shiite mosque um, in uh, the, the Pakistani city of Peshawar. Um, A gunman on a motorcycle then killed two police officers outside the mosque um, uh, before entering um, and detonating his vest. Uh, ISIS-K, which is an Islamic Islamic state group in the region, has claimed responsibility. And this is, um, I think, the deadliest 
attack in Pakistan, um, you know, in, in in many years. So um, this is a huge challenge um, faced by Muslims around the world, the desire for Muslims of a different variety um, to assert their particular um, understanding of Islam over others. And so I think it's it's something we don't often talk about, which is that um, radicalized Muslims kill more Muslims than they kill anybody else. Because we often and most often talk about the status and the plight of Christians who are persecuted because they are minority religious groups in these regions. But the first and largest minority group is the other kind of Muslim. It's the people who practice a different variety of Islam um, from those who are radicalized jihadist. The Taliban is now criticizing the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, I mean, you know, you you know, you are on the wrong side of uh, what is going on in the world. Um, you have become a global pariah when the Taliban thinks that what you're doing is wrong. They have called for restraint and a peaceful resolution to the conflict in uh, in Ukraine. The list of headlines at uh, at missionnews.org includes many headlines from Ukraine um, and uh, conversations about the threat of persecution that pastors in Ukraine, evangelical pastors in Ukraine, are concerned about. Um, and there is an article about Christians facing separation and obviously uh, the lack of resources that is true for everyone. Uh, and so you can you can connect with those stories and with agencies on the ground, partners of Mission Network News that they are um, connected with in that part of the world. We had um, a representative from Slavic Gospel Association join us. They are the partners of Mission Network News in the region and gave us an inside look into what was going on there in churches. And so I think my call is for us to not only continue to pray, but continue to look for those opportunities to share, even sacrificially, um, with people in need. And I have been reminded that there are needs in our own communities. And so I want us to be mindful of that. We can we can pay attention to two things at the same time. We we can. We are capable of having a robust concern for local needs, for orphans right here in America, for people displaced by storms and uh, and tragedies like house fires, we are able. We are able to pay attention to the concerns close to home. We are able to um, meet the the needs of people who are having a hard time um, putting good food on the table here at home and supply for the needs of people halfway around the world. We can do both. We can do both. How do I say that with such confidence? Because we, we are the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We have access to the king's resources. And God owns a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. And as my son Matthew uh, reminds me, and he owns the hills as well. And he owns the cattle on all the other hills. So let's be people who are mindful that as the... Uh, Right. The harvest is ripe. The fields are ripe for harvest. Let's be mindful that that not only means that God wants us to be sharing the gospel, 
uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be doing it in deed as well as word. And so how can you and I live a little more simply that other people today, both locally and globally, could simply live? Like that's the provocative conversation of the day. How can I live a little more simply that someone in my own community or halfway around the world might simply live? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. So when we um, consider the headlines of the day and bring the mind of Christ to bear, I recognize that it is tempting to become fatigued. It's really tempting to tune out. I get that. I understand. I also recognize that God supplies for us um, the strength, the perspective, his grace. God is ever long-suffering in terms of the plight of people. Consider for just a moment how long God has been at this, how many wars he has seen, how many prayers he has answered in the midst of them, how much grace he has bestowed. And so what we face today, we do not face alone. We face it with the fullness of the knowledge of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the very power and provision of God, and a perspective on history that recognizes that it has a beginning, and yes, it has an end. We're going to talk about that in the next hour. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way, you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.